Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is Brian Young, CEO and co-founder of Home Lending Pal, to talk about making the mortgage process more equitable. Brian built his first seven-figure company at 18 and his second one at 23. He now has more than 18 years of demand generation and conversion rate optimization experience. He's had a storied career already, leading global digital strategies for the 2012 DNC and President Barack Obama, for Microsoft, Panasonic, Xerox, Zillow, and many others. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on here. Very interesting um, to find out about Home Lending Pal and what you guys do. So if you could back up a little bit, tell me tell me why you started. You're a co-founder of Home Lending Pal. Why did you start it? Yeah, you know, I experienced the subprime mortgage crisis from the consumer side and my co-founder, Stephen Betterkins, experienced it from the lender's perspective. Uh, and we found that, you know, with a lot of the underserved communities, really, there's so many different barriers that prevent them from even exploring what homeownership may possibly look like for them. Things like lack of trust in financial institutions, uh, not understanding the different government programs that have come out. Uh, you know, we've seen that, you know, Fannie and Freddie have taken a much more uh, aggressive stance in trying to close that homeownership gap by uh, releasing special purpose credit programs, allowing lenders to look at down payment assistance options, or even utilizing the the ability to include rental history into uh, the considerations for underwriting. And we thought that a lot of underserved communities just don't understand that, and they needed a way to be able to explore to see what it would make the most sense for them. So in your mind, is is the first person that you try to reach the consumer or is the first person the lender? I think it's uh, we try to reach the consumer on behalf of the lender. And we built our system uh, with consumers first, lenders second, and home lending power third. Um, you're seeing a, a lot of these lenders that are coming out with, you know, special purpose credit programs. And, you know, in that process, a lot of that takes the, the time to to train your staff, to train your team. Uh, on things that are completely new. And in a market like this, that is not always easy, uh, considering that people are really just trying to do whatever they can do to get a deal through the door. And so uh, really what we try to do is we try to grab those the, the overlays or the data that they have for those programs. And then we take the initiative of making consumers aware uh, of what those programs may, may look like for them. I think one of the, so I have, um, I'm sure as you, as someone who's in housing in the way that you are, I only cover housing. I'm not a loan officer. I'm not a real estate agent, but I end up helping a lot of family members try to try to get into homes, right? Homeownership is something I really believe in. It's one of our missions at HousingWire is to really, you know, move markets forward. And the market that we're most interested in is the homeownership market, the real estate market. So I end up fielding a lot of questions and I have um, several people I'm trying to help right now, which one of the hardest things the consumer doesn't understand is down payment assistance programs because they're not easy to find. It's not your, they don't know who to ask. Do they have to go to a housing counselor? Can they ask their lender? Like your, your general person out there does not know that there's any help for down, uh, down payment assistance programs. So how do you guys tackle that? Yeah, so we are fortunately that we are partnered with a group called Down Payment Resources, and we're really trying to automate a lot of that where a consumer can come in, uh, they can verify their finances and credit, or even allow them the ability to manually introduce that information until they feel comfortable enough to verify. Uh, but the goal is to, to automate a lot of that. You're seeing that the, the main buying demographic is becoming younger, it's millennials and Generation Z. And this group is really heavily focused on instant gratification. You know, they don't necessarily have the same financial savviness as the baby boomer generation, but they expect immediate results all the time. Uh, And so the more that we can, you know, gather their information and automatically find those programs for them, 
uh, we feel the better it will be in encouraging them to explore home ownership and those opportunities around home ownership. So uh, by someone going to your site, they can initiate that process. They can figure out um, this is, you know, how is that served to them in a way that they can understand it? Absolutely. So the lenders will give us, so we do have, we have two separate sides of the system. We have the back end in which the lenders give us their overlays or different programs that they have available. Uh, and then a consumer basically goes and they download our app or they go to our website and enter the web portion of our app. Uh, and as they're really kind of this gamification experience, not only are we trying to get them to understand what home ownership looks like, we're also providing positive incentive, positive rewards for them doing so. Um, we offer up to about $3,000 in cash for them to do so. And some of that comes from us. Uh, some of it comes from the lender. Some of it comes from the government. But really what we're trying to get them to do is to, to, to build positive financial habits, positive financial traits while also giving us enough of the information that is necessary to understand, are there any hard stops that would prevent them from going through the underwriting process? And if there are, how do we address those items before they actually submit to connect to a lender to speak further with the lender? Um, it's really kind of how the system looks at it now. So, so that prequal or pre like like making sure they're ready is probably one of the most important steps. And so how do you do that without actual underwriting, uh, without an actual credit pool? Like, like, what do you think makes Home Lending Pal different in that in that regard? Yeah, so we we avoid trade uh, violations uh, just by simply not passing on the property data to our lending partners. Uh, but in this process, what we're doing is we're really trying to understand in their system. So they are connecting. They're doing. They're authorizing the soft FICO pool for us. They're uh, connecting their bank account. And we're utilizing primarily uh, day one certainty data providers. So it's usually the same data that the lenders are going to see anyway. Uh, but for us, we're, we're not really forcing them to connect to one lender or really to any lender. We, we allow the lenders to advertise on the platform to build top of mind awareness. Uh, but for the consumer, the reason that we've seen so much success is that, again, we're really creating this marketplace that allows them to explore and allows them to move around our app in a path that makes the most sense for them. So they get to control the journey. Uh, if they have issues with their credit, we're able to identify those issues. And then as they resolve those, they're able to earn cash towards their closing costs. So it becomes a fun interactive, engaging experience for a much younger demographic that is, uh, again, looking to explore home ownership. They just don't really know where to start. So, you know, it used to be that people would, you know, they start by looking up homes. They're they're on Zillow, what, I think it's six to nine months before they're going to actually pull the trigger, right? People start looking. And it's understandable why. It's human nature. You want to know what, that's the fun part. The fun yeah. part is like, oh, look at that bathroom or, oh, the backyard, you know. The fun part is not the funding, let's just be honest, right? The financial part. So how do you, if I'm, if it's a consumer out there looking on Zillow, um, they might reach out to a real estate agent first. They might reach out to a lender first. How do they reach out to um, Home Lending Pile first? Yeah, so we, we are partnering with different groups to, to get MLS access to start that process. Because as you said, you know, about half of the people that go through the process, they fall in love with the home before they understand the financial commitment of owning that home. Um, and so what we're really allowing them to do is to add and save those homes into our system and understand how their buying power, or how that impacts their day to day lifestyle uh, based on the home that they're looking to buy. Um, we're currently working with ways to try to integrate other uh, realtors into the system to basically, again, with, from a realtor's perspective, you know, you have to think about time is money for them as well. So if there's a way that we can make it where they can easily share the homes that they're qualified for, think of it like a pre-approval letter 
uh, for that realtor to see, okay, well, this is a home that I know this person is qualified for. It makes the most sense for me to drive an hour to go do a showing in person uh, because of that. So we really want to make it, you know, where it's valuable for everyone that's involved in the transaction. I think if we can do that and the realtor can use our system as their quote unquote preferred lender, uh, that'll make it better for everyone. Because again, it's, it's really about that speed to close, that speed to uh, increase the transaction once that person is ready, but it also allows us to build that relationship much earlier in the process, like you said, because most people spend six to nine months preparing before they actually submit their application. Really interesting. So one of the things that caught my eye on your website was the fact that, you know, Home Lending Pal uses AI to simulate underwriting. And, you know, AI is everywhere right now. A couple months ago, we were all like, yes, chat GPT, it's going to be so amazing. And now, you know, there's a little bit uh, more to that story where you're like, oh, I don't know. So, you know, AI has been around, obviously, for a while, and people use that term in different ways. So why do you think that that or how are you doing that in a way that's different than other people? I think uh, our use, I mean, obviously, AI is all dependent on good data in leading to good results out. And, and that's the, the first part of it. But when we look at AI, uh, we're really, really looking at automating the manual tasks that happen in the process. Uh, when you think about what makes CDFI so good, it's because they spend a lot of time doing the manual work that is required to help serve the underserved community. And if we're being honest with ourselves, that, that is very hard for most financial institutions to do at scale. Uh, and so where we've really come in and looked at, OK, where are the manual aspects of this recommendation system, this recommendation engine that can help us, again, better nurture, better qualify, uh, create a better relationship with the consumer so that once they're ready to connect with any lender within the system, they kind of have a better understanding of what the process will look like. Um, and primarily, the primary function of our AI is really to, again, help find the hard stops, the gaps that would prevent a borrower from moving forward and helping give the borrower a better understanding of how to address those uh, from the consumer's perspective. Um, so from the lender's perspective, we're, we're leveraging AI uh, to drive greater accountability, awareness and oversight for the CRA or fair lending opportunities that are coming through our funnel, whether we're creating that lead or whether the financial institution is getting on their own, uh, really all we're doing is creating this real-time system that's looking at that uh, and then ensuring that those individuals are, are giving the uh, proper attention because, you know, there's really not to say that there might not be discrimination happening, but if a loan officer has a loan that comes through for 700000 versus one for 250000 it's human nature to go for the higher one because you get a greater commission. And so our, our artificial intelligence really focuses on that $250,000 loan and ensures that they're still getting that, that relationship, that nurturing that they need to be able to push, get pushed through the funnel. Do you see um, renewed interest, uh, you know, as volumes have, have declined from maybe the easier borrowers to serve, do you see more interest now? Or do you think if you are seeing more interest, it's coming from the fact that there's a lot of pressure to, um, you know, to look at underserved borrowers more than there was in the past? You know, surprisingly, over the last six months, we've pretty much grown about 238% month over month in terms of consumer growth. And I think a lot of that is because a lot of borrowers are trying to figure out, you know, what do I do next and how do I help myself, you know, get out of this, you know, economic condition that we're in where we have, you know, rising interest rates, you have inflation, uh, you have so many different barriers in terms of limited supply of homes, et cetera. Um, so, I, you know, we're really in a space right now. Where we're trying to get more lenders on as, as, as quickly as we can because we don't actually have enough lenders who service the number of borrowers that are raising their hands saying, hey, I at least want to talk to a lender. Now, one of the things that has made us different is that uh, while with most lead generators, they, they give you that lead and then they don't do anything else with it. It's really all up on you. 
because the borrower continues to leverage our platform, we then start to make the borrower more aware of the loan products that are available from that lender that they've selected to work with. And it keeps the lender also privy of where that borrower is at in that process. You know, are there things that they've improved and when they're ready and they're qualified, the lender now has much more information up front to begin that origination process and hopefully speed up the, the time to close because of that. How do you recruit lenders? Um, and do you see a lot of interest from lenders? We are starting to get a lot of interest now. Uh, I think, you know, for, for the most part, you either have a CRA or fair lending issue or you don't. Uh, for the ones that do, it's a little bit easier because it allows us to, to kind of show, hey, we are a solution that can help you uh, address this. We call it a fairness as a service solution suite. Uh, we've partnered with a couple other fintechs, uh, fairplay.ai, uh, and others to uh, Alice CRA and others to, to really kind of address that need. And then if you're a lender that doesn't think of it as an additional insurance policy to help strengthen what you're already doing so that you don't run into issues in the future. Um, we're fortunate that we have a couple of different lender networks that are already investors in us. So that helps us attract those lenders. And then we do a lot of our own outreach uh, to big lead buyers, but it's usually easy for us to start with the lead generation side of it and then work in, uh, the integration of the other solution suites that we have over the next, uh, usually a 16 to 20 week period with the lenders uh, that we're working with. So there's this, you know, education that has to happen with the borrowers, but there's also education that has to happen with the lenders. A lot of them aren't, aren't familiar with what's out there and here a borrower comes that they're not even sure that they can do anything with, you know, what does that look like? Yeah, so we spend a lot of time spending uh, educating the lenders. Like I said, most lenders are not aware, at least their loan officers are not aware of just how to execute uh, special purpose credit programs or down payment assistance, as you mentioned. And so, you know, as we're going through the onboarding process, we'll show them kind of what has worked, what hasn't worked. Uh, And on average, you know, we usually see at least a 25 to 35 percent increase in the amount of uh, applications, credit inquiries and originations. Uh, for at least African-American and Latino borrowers within this, the areas that we're focusing on, because it often requires them to change a little bit of their processes to also deal with these consumers as well. You know, the average minority consumer, you're probably looking at if you have a, a phone system or a text based system, probably 10 to 15 touches before they respond to you, if they respond to you. And if they don't, you have to figure out a way to re-nurture them. Uh, and so we take a lot of that off of the the burden of the lender and put it onto ourselves and say, hey, we're this independent third party that's more than likely going to grab their attention and keep their attention. But as we do that, then we can basically make them aware of your products and and bring them back into your funnel in a much more uh, efficient and effective way where they're less skittish, if you will, when they go through that process. You know, those special purchase credit programs, um, we've written quite a bit on that. And, you know, for a long time, people weren't very interested because they were so hard to do. What, you know, yeah. from your perspective, what is the potential there? I think there's so much potential there. I mean, I, I really think that you're seeing greater emphasis from Freddie and Fannie of uh, utilizing them. You're seeing the bigger lenders. I know uh, Bank of America just rolled out their program. Uh, Wells Fargo does have a, a program for refinancing, but uh, I, I think as we see more bigger institutions roll out their programs, I think a lot of the smaller guys are going to do the same. Um, and I, I, a true, I think the true value of it is that when we look at low to moderate income borrowers, and as I said, most of these special purpose credit programs are either race-based or location-based, and it can be very hard to engage these individuals within these certain zip codes by doing so and by tying that, if you're able to tie that particular program 
to the home while the user is going through that home search experience, as we mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, that provides the user a much better understanding of, okay, this is a home that I can use a special purpose credit program for to help me qualify and purchase the home that I actually want, not a home that I just believe I can afford because of what I've been told by a lender. So I think that's really going to be the good value is that if we can integrate those two together, it provides a whole new world um, for the consumers while also allowing it to be easier for lenders to identify which homes, which locations, which assessment areas are actually qualified for these programs that they're rolling out. So you guys, um, you founded the company in 2019 and things have changed significantly since 2019. (laughs) I mean, could anyone, no one in 2019 could be like, this is what's going to happen in 2020. And then this crazy market that we're in, you know, what has it been like uh, founding a company like this in 2019? Give us just a little bit insight into how this has gone. Oh man, if I if I had more hair to pull out, I probably would. <laughs> um, as you said, you know, you went from a, a time where we started on the purchase side and we thought that was really going to be really good for us and refinancing got really hot. So we were like, okay, well, let's try to figure out a way to make it work for refinance. And now we're back on, you know, purchase side again. So um, I, I would say that it's been very difficult because I, even from just, you, you talk about lender adoption, you know, last year when everything was really good, um, it was really hard to get a lot of people to take time to learn about what we were trying to build. And now that things have kind of slowed up, it's still just as hard, but it's, it's hard for a different reason. Now people are trying to ensure that they're preserving cash, not doing too much. So um, I would I would say, you know, stuff like this is not easy, but, you know, things that are, are valuable usually require you to put in additional effort. And uh, for us, the effort has been really good. And I think uh, the biggest thing is that, you know, it allowed us to really become experts in CRA and fair lending and, and align ourselves with individuals that truly understand these programs, these initiatives. And, and, and we're, we're working with a lot of different consultants that are already helping different financial institutions implement these special purpose credit programs. And so I think that coming out of it, when it's all said and done, while it wasn't necessarily the way I want it to be, I think it was the best thing for us. Uh, for the market to to kind of move the way it did during this process. You know, we um, we know many people, and I'm sure you know many people who cut their teeth in the great financial crisis. That's when they started their lending business where you're like, wow, that's just so bold, you know, and sometimes you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, you do see people who have gone through several cycles who have figured out what is going to stick in the end and how they build processes that are sort of cycle proof because we know that that's this kind of business. Yeah, you know, I, I come from a digital transformation strategy background. You know, my my entire career has built been kind of creating new processes, new workflows. Uh, you know, I'm probably most known for doing the, the stuff for Obama and the DNC in 2012, but I've done a lot of other stuff outside of that. And I'll say that, you know, in tough markets, like you said, innovation is really what helps companies really not only survive, but thrive and gain market share. So those that are more aggressive and willing to explore new things within this tough market are the ones that are going to come out the best. And, you know, we're seeing that with a lot of our partners already. They've already kind of set a good foundation so that when the market does shift, because we all know that it will shift and, you know, interest rates are going to go back down, inventory will come back up. You know, those are going to be the ones that are already going to be on top of mind for consumers and the ones that they're going to run to to want to work with the most. So. I think the key there is uh, consumers. To me, what we're looking at all the time at HousingWire is who is building that relationship with the consumers in a way that's repeatable and you know lasts a long time. There's a terrible um, rate of holding on to your borrowers once they come through, whether you're 
a real estate agent, whether you're a lender, whether you're whatever it is, it's like that relationship. And especially with Gen Z and the younger borrowers to me is more important than it has ever been. Absolutely. I I, I couldn't stress that more. And I, I will even say that Gen Z and millennials are, and the younger millennials are even shifting that relationship. You know, it's no longer just about the lowest price or the best product. You also have things like ESG and diversity, equity, and inclusion that they care about. Like, you know, for companies to be able to show that, you know, we're a company, but we also care about other things is really what's going to get those individuals to gravitate towards you. Um, and, you know, most financial institutions look at it as a transactional means, you know, you buy a loan, uh, you keep that home, I service that loan for you. Whereas these individuals, you know, they're willing to do a lot, but you have to earn their loyalty. You have to earn their commitment to you. And I think, again, the, the financial institutions that do that and take the effort to say, okay, well, yes, like you said, you know, we know that most home buyers spend at least six to nine months preparing before they actually submit their application. But if you're willing to, to build a relationship over six to nine months, then they're probably going to end up coming to you because they've seen you so much. They, they're familiar with your brand. And that's really what we're trying to emphasize for our lending partners is that you can't look at it just to the short term. I understand that closing loans is very important for all of us, uh, but you also have to think of it from the engagement perspective of just getting these individuals to engage uh, and explore the opportunities, the products that your brand has. is really important as well. I think we can't uh, underemphasize or overemphasize the fact that some of these young people saw their parents struggle through the great financial crisis, saw them, or they might have graduated into a situation which was not good. Like the trust in financial institutions, um, depending on what community you're from, where what your background is, what your family's relationship to you know finances has been, is a challenge that you have to overcome before you can start building trust. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's technically five different cultural barriers that, like you said, depending on where you're from or, or where you were raised, that impact it. And, you know, there's a lot of data that shows that the younger borrowers don't look at debt the same way that they're, they're older, their parents did. So even the way that we go about underwriting loans is going to have to change or modify to accommodate these kids, you know, uh, or these young adults, I should say, because I'm <laughs> one of them technically. Um <laughs> You know, things like uh, you're seeing the growth of neobanks, you know, you're seeing less uh, debt, less credit card debt from from these individuals. Like you said, there's kind of staying away from that because our parents got themselves into so much debt. Um, so I think, you know, the leveraging alternative credit is really going to be important and figuring out what to do with these student loans. Uh, it's going to be important as well, especially for the minority community, because, you know, they typically have three or four times more student loan debt uh, to have to try to overcome before they can try to buy a home. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting, but I, I will say that doing the same thing over and over is not going to work for this younger generation. And it's time to start that process now, because if not, we're going to be in a much harder place in five to 10 years when you know Gen Z becomes the main buyer than we were when millennials are the main buyers now. So. Absolutely. And I feel like um, the millennial shift, you know, back when uh, I started at Housing Mart, it was all about millennials. Or they're so different. And here's how they're going to you know, change things. And that's true. But I feel like um, I have kids who are millennials and one that is a Gen Z, and it is a difference. This and it's and crazy because they're they are not that much different in age. But I'm just telling you, it is a it. They look at the world differently, and we're going to have to look at it differently if we want to serve them. Absolutely. If I could give one tidbit, I think you know everyone thinks that oh they're younger, you just have to put things on the cell phone or, or make it mobile, and that solves the problem. I would tell you, it it does not. You know, millennials and, and, and baby boomers, you know, we were more likely to go find things on Google, you know, to Google search it. 
And we're already seeing just from from our perspective, we go viral a lot on TikTok and Instagram, which I, I don't know why, but um, but you're seeing that they're utilizing platforms like those as their search engines. So, you know, when we would go say, oh, well, just Google it, like Google, it became a thing for us. Just Google it. You know, they go to TikTok and Instagram to get their uh, information as to, you know, where to buy a home or how to buy a home. So, you know, again, like you said, the, the way that you engage with these individuals is, is day and night and it's going to require brands like ours and others to do things that they never thought they would to keep them engaged and interested. And I think the TikTok thing is really an evolution from YouTube because this generation, I mean, YouTube is like, is their best friend. And so, you know, TikTok is a, is a faster, different kind of version of that. But the video com- uh, component of this is difficult to overestimate. It, it is. I mean, you think about it, you know, in our time, and again, I come from a marketing or consulting background, you know, you were typically looking at ad spots that were 15, 30 seconds, one minute spots in many cases. Now you're being given five to 10 seconds, you know, shorts, you know. So how do you, you get a message clear to within five or 10 seconds? It, it, it's, it's, it's a different, different space, a different world. And you really have to, to listen to those individuals again, because there's, there's not only the, the fact that they want to have you more engaged into ESG and DEI type initiatives, but they also want to feel like you're relating to them in terms of what you're building for them to consume. Uh, and if you're not, they will completely ignore you and turn you off altogether. So it's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting place that we're in. But you know, I think we can continue to do it really well right now. One of the things about home lending, pal, that is so interesting is you're really looking to get bias out of the system, even when you look at underwriting and things like that, using AI to do that. Tell us a little bit about that and why you think this is this is something that you can do using AI. Yeah, you know, when we first started, and you mentioned that journey from 2019 to now, we were trying to anonymize everything and then, you know, release the, the humped information at the very end of the decision to determine whether there was bias or not. Uh, that came with its own set of challenges in terms of trying to integrate into LOS systems and trying to get that, that close that feedback loop. So what we're doing now is we're, we're actually utilizing the race and the information that we were gathering up front as a additional incentive for us to help the borrower and the lender. Uh, you know, since we know that these programs are either income, ethnicity, location, or race based, we're getting all that information. So then we're able to say, okay, well, here are three to five lenders that make the most sense for you based on how you qualify. Uh, and I think that's the biggest kind of pivot that we've made, but also the biggest learning curve. Uh, and then as we get that information, we're still able to to report in real time on how you're doing fairness, your decision making engines. But I think the real thing for us is that we realized that we didn't need to build all of that. There's companies like Fair Play, uh, companies like AI Curio and others that are doing that really well that we can partner up with and leverage their technology suite in terms of our and connect that with ours through APIs to make it easier for everyone. And I think that was the biggest pivot that we've made over the last two years. Brian, thank you so much for being on. It's been a really interesting podcast to kind of see what you guys are doing and, and what the possibilities of what you're building could could lead to. So thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. So 
Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the rolling hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st. Learn more and register your spot on the events page at realtrends.com. And we can't wait to see you in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.